0: right now house of the Lord tonight. Thankful to be here, thankful to have the opportunity to be with all of you, glad that you're able to be here. Thankful for the privilege that we have of coming and gathering together, singing unto the Lord, lifting up our voice together to the Lord, magnifying Him, filling His presence, being here to encourage one another. When I see you, it encourages me. When I see you, it reminds me that the hardships through the week are worth it. Continuing to get up when we fall down is worth it. Because I'm not alone. You're right there with me. What a privilege to be a part of the church. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for one another. Thank you, Lord. For my brothers, my sisters, thank you for the body of Christ. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Pastor Land Troop tonight is at junior camp, so we miss him, but I'm sure he's going to be blessed there in that service. And we're going to be blessed right here by the word of God. If we'll, if we'll open our hearts and we'll open our minds... Even though we've, many of us, been here many a time, it never ceases to amaze me that there's things in there that just speak to me anew and afresh over and over again. I was talking to someone recently, I won't name them, but uh, one of the brothers here in the church, talking about, you know, reading our Bibles and that uh, daily habit of Bible reading and how. Though you've read the Bible through many times It never fails that at some point During the year multiple times for me Maybe I'm just dense like that (laughs) Maybe the Lord has to work real slow with me Because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed I don't know But every year multiple times each year Though I've read the Bible through Something new just jumps out Something new grabs my attention And I'm just in awe I'm like how did I miss this? How did I see this and not see it? And yet, that's what makes it so different than any other book. First of all, it's not just a book, as many people would like for us to believe. It's not just an historical document. It is the living word. And it is like fresh bread that will feed our souls if we will take the time to partake of it on a consistent basis. I am so thankful that we have access to the word of God. You know, uh generations ago they didn't have such easy access and i'm afraid that the ease with which we can tap into the word of god has made us take it a little bit for granted and so i don't ever want that to to be true of me i want to cherish the word of god we are so privileged to at literally the touch of our fingertips be able to access multiple translations of the word of god and Most of those translations are good. I won't say all. There's a few out there I think need to be thrown in the trash. But the vast majority of the different translations, when you go back to the historical text, according to scholars, are 99.82% accurate with one another. Um, There's really not a lot. And and out of that, you know, 0.2% that is Different. A lot of it's gr- grammar stuff. Somebody put a period where another translator put a colon or a semicolon. Um, and so we really are without excuse to take time and to read the Word of God. I remember as a kid trying to read, <laughs> you know, every year, Pastor Huntley at that time, uh, where I grew up in the Raleigh Church. And Pastor Huntley and, and the other leaders there would challenge the church for doing the bread program. I don't know if any of you remember the bread program. Um But that was the challenge, and boy, I'd get all excited, fired up as a kid. This is going to be the year I'm going to read my Bible, and boy, it's great. I'm reading through creation. Oh, this is good stuff. And uh, the bread program, you're reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, so it's like three chapters in Genesis and a chapter in Matthew. Man, that's good stuff. Until I got the so-and-so, and -and And I can't pronounce any of them names. That's why I just said so-and-so. If I knew their names, I'd say them. There's a reason preachers don't preach from that. I tease my uh, own family. Uh, We do morning devotion. uh, Thankful for COVID. COVID brought one good thing, and that was morning devotions for my family, where we, uh, every morning during the week, get up and, uh, well, almost every morning. Again, I've, I've confessed before I'm not perfect. So there's some of the mornings where that snooze button gets the best of me. But most mornings we get up and we do family devotion and one of us will pick a passage, and it's got some of them names, and they'll sit there and struggle. It's like, you knew this was what you wanted to talk about. (laughs) Why didn't you practice the names a little bit? (laughs) I mean, as as a preacher or a teacher of the word, when you're going to teach it, you try to read through a few times and practice that name so you get it right, Um, but even some of them, even after you've tried to practice them a few times, you still trip over them, and so it's a little bit comical, but You don't hear preachers preaching on so-and-so, begat, so-and-so, begat, so-and-so very often because nobody wants to say all those names. (laughs) Nobody wants to struggle that much verbally from uh, the podium, whether that's teaching or preaching. Um, But with all the various translations, I remember the King James, even as a kid, reading all those other passages before I got to that that discouraged me so bad I quit. (laughs) Uh, There were certain verbiage of the King James that was hard to understand as a kid. Uh, And so now... You know we can turn our kids to the new international version or the New Living translation, and those are a little bit easier uh for them to digest and to grab a hold of until you get the Song of Solomon you put them back on King James so they don't understand that. Going back to King James for that one. we ain't doing the new Living translation. I know which ones have read Song of Solomon now, the ones that are chuckling the ones that aren't chuckling they ain't read it. <laughs> <laughs> tonight we are going to begin a new series. Um, it, the title of the series is a glorious church and so for the next four weeks we'll be talking about the church, the the body of Christ and us as a group of believers and part of the universal body of believers. So tonight, if you will turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to begin at verse 13, just to put some context behind our lesson tonight. And we'll read through verse 20. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through verse 20. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So clearly people are saying, you are a good man. You are a man of God. You are a prophet. Verse number 15 here, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Okay, that's what people are saying, but who do you say that I am? In verse 16, very familiar passage for us in the oneness movement. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the anointed one, the fleshly body of the living God. Next verse, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So this is an important revelation. This is a revelation that brings blessing. This is a revelation that matters. It matters who you think Jesus Christ is. If you think he's a prophet, that's not going to get you where you want to go. If you think he was just a good rabbi that could draw a crowd, you're not going to understand what you need to understand in order to make the kingdom of heaven your home in eternity. So it matters. Here he says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Next verse. And I will give unto thee, unto who? Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And our final verse, then changed he his, charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. So even though they have this revelation at this point, he's saying, don't go telling everybody who I am. He wanted the those who uh heard but did not understand to continue not understanding those who saw what he was doing and yet did not comprehend who he was he wanted them to stay in that uh, veiled darkness if you will and so he told them you know who i am but for now i want you to keep that to yourself now later we know that he told them to go and preach the gospel to every nation to every kindred to every tongue to every race to every culture the the gospel of The death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension to preach the good news that through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, people could have eternal life. So later he tells them, Now it's time. Now it's time to go tell the world. But at this point, he told them to keep it. But our main focus verse for tonight was verse 18 And I say unto thee also, or say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this rock of revelation of who I am, upon this very truth that I am the anointed one, the Messiah, the fleshly body of the living God incarnate who has come to offer himself based on this rock of revelation. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, though it surely has tried. The gates of hell, all of hell has fought against the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight we're talking about a glorious church. We're talking about his phrase, I will build my church. Who's building the church? He is. Now, does he do it without us? He called us to be a part of the building. He called us to be involved in the expansion of the kingdom. He instructed his followers to occupy until he comes again. That word occupies a military term. That doesn't mean take it easy and lazy boy and Netflix and chill. I mean, we've often heard of military occupations. And that's what he was saying. Occupy. Fight. Do warfare, spiritual warfare, till I come back. Keep coming against the kingdom of darkness. Keep fighting against false doctrine, traditions of men, vain philosophies. Continue setting captives free. Continue Setting at liberty them that are bruised. Continue healing the brokenhearted. Continue. The truth that we are discussing tonight about God is that Jesus, God in flesh, calls disciples to follow him. You are called, you are chosen to be a follower of Christ. And as a follower, to do the works of Christ. The truth for me as an individual, the truth for you as an individual, is that I will choose to be a disciple of Jesus. As I mentioned, our series is A Glorious Church. This series presents the church as one of God's greatest gifts to his people. And the lessons that we will be covering will show God's plans for his church by declaring, first, he would build his church. We're talking about that tonight. We're also going to discuss the purpose of the church, the church in action and the beautiful bride of Christ. This series, hopefully, will give each of us a greater appreciation for the church and a better understanding of the important role that the church should play in our lives and in our community. Why is this important? Why, why talk about the, the church and its function and its purpose? Well, because we believe that Jesus is coming again. And it could be any time. But regardless of when he comes, when he returns, he's coming for his church. So for those who want to sit at home, think they can be saved all by themselves. Oh, I've got my Bible. I can read my Bible and be saved. He's not coming for individuals. I'm sorry to disappoint you. If you are not part of the body of Christ, fitly joined together, he's not coming for you. Why why would I say that? That's pretty harsh. Well, because he said... Herein will they know that you're my disciples. You have love one for another The reason you're not coming is because you don't love your brother enough. You're not you don't love your sister enough If you love them, you'd be here Now, yes, there are times you're so sick or so contagious. We don't want you here for that service But for the vast majority of services, we want you here We want you to be here and you need to be here Again, it's so encouraging to come and to see one another To know, hey, I mean, I had a rough week, but I'm sure I wasn't only one. And look at all these other people. I'm sure some of them had some rough, rough days this week, and they're here. And if they can do it, I can do it. And then we have the privilege of coming along and praying with one another and speaking an encouraging word on top of that. I mean, what a blessing to be a part of a local assembly. So why don't we just say a quick prayer tonight before we get further into the lesson. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us about his desire to build his church lord we are so thankful for your word tonight we know that it's anointed we know that it contains your instructions your purpose your will for us we ask that you would help us to grab a hold of the truth that you were speaking when you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it help us to believe that with all of our heart and help us to do our part to make sure it comes to pass in our time and in our community in jesus name we pray amen I don't know how many others in here enjoy. I know there's a few, uh, maybe more than I realize, but I know I personally really enjoy uh, being outdoors. Um, there's something just special about being outside. Uh, as a kid, I spent most of my time outside, um, even in the hot summer. You know, you didn't realize it was hot until you got older. As a kid, you're just out there playing, having a good time. Your parents are worried you're going to die of a heat stroke, and you don't even know what that means, and you're just running around being wild. And that was me as a kid, um, along with other kids from the neighborhood there. We would be out riding bikes or uh, playing uh, cowboys and Indians or cops and robbers, running through the woods, stomping through the creek, uh, sliding down red clay hills and bringing our clothes home, and Mom wanting to kill us. I can't believe you just did that to your jeans. You know, uh, fun times when you have to strip down on the porch for all to see. You're not bringing that in the house, you know? better take it off right there. What? There went modesty out the window. Thanks, mom. Mom's not here tonight, I can say that. She's she's going to hear that on the live stream and be ready to skin my hide. <laughs> um but we would go uh fishing. Uh nowadays we would call it hiking through the woods, but we didn't think it was hiking. We were just playing uh looking for vines dangling from tree limbs that we could swing on to get across the creek and half the time land up land in the creek and get wet and as a kid you don't think anything of it; you just keep running along and then those wet jeans and wet shoes just start getting mud caked up on them and you know what happens when you get home i already told you (laughs) where have you been what happened you did that on purpose it's (laughs) there have been a few times raising a son of my own that just like boy what what were you thinking and then I remember some of those childhood memories come flooding back and you're like and here I thought I was a perfect child here I thought I didn't bring my parents any grief at all ever but seeing it from a parent's perspective <laughs> I just bought those jeans now they have a hole in them you think we're made of money you think money grows on trees All those expressions that my parents said, they start coming out of my mouth, and I'm like, wait, what's become of me? (laughs) I've turned into my mom, I've turned into my dad. Um, But I remember uh, some of the neighborhood kids, I I never had any look at it, but some of the neighborhood kids, there was a creek in the woods behind, and uh, they would catch crawdads, small ones. They they weren't like in Louisiana where they're like, yeah, little ones and then they would take those and go fishing with them as bait. I didn't even know what one was until I was, I don't know, eight, seven or eight years old, when one of them caught a couple while I was there. I was like, bro, what is that? That thing's creepy looking. I ain't never seen anything like that. But they would take those fish and we always just fish with worms except when we went fishing with my granddad, and my dad's dad, he would use crickets. And that was interesting. I didn't know you could use crickets for fishing. I thought worms were the only food fish ate. And so uh, he caught quite a few fish with crickets. And uh, I remember the first time I remember seeing a deer up close and personal was we were going fishing with my mom's brother, my dad, my brother, and myself. uh, went fishing uh, with my mom's brother, Raymond, and from here to the light stand over here, a deer just walked out of the woods right down to the pond. I look over, I'm like, wow, what is that? (laughs) And, of course, then, as a kid, I'm screaming, hey, everybody, look. Then <laughs> next, you look back, and the deer's gone. <laughs> I scared it off. <laughs> but lots of memories of being outdoors, and I still enjoy being outdoors. Um, I don't know how many of you also enjoy that, but, uh, you know, there's lots of outdoor activities. You don't have to, like, hunting or fishing to be, enjoy the outdoors. You can enjoy hiking or camping or uh, just playing sports. Most sports, you play outside. There's a few you can play indoors, but. Lots of sports are played outside, and so a lot of people do enjoy being outside, lots of folks, like, they like boating, um, water skiing, and kneeboarding, wakeboarding, whatever they call all that stuff, that wasn't me, I didn't like going out on the boat very much, I went one time with my uncle, and uh, not being a, a proficient swimmer, that was not fun, so it looked like my brother was having a blast, <laughs> until he, until he dunked, under that water going about 35 miles per hour. And I was like,
1: nah,
0: <laughs> nah I think I'm good. I think I'm, I think I'm, good. I'm good right here. E- eating water like that don't look good. Don't look fun at all. Y'all call this fun? But we all have our various interests and the things that we enjoy. Uh, I'd like to share a story with you about a guy named Brett uh, before we get further into the scripture text tonight. There was a fellow named Brett who went deep sea fishing once in Florida. He and his friends were all having a real good time. But all that ended for Brett when the fishermen started catching fish. They had pressed out into deep waters, and the ship captain began to cast the poles out of the boat. And almost immediately, they began reeling in beautiful blue and green mahi-mahi. The trip was fun. It was new. It was exciting. Then the men threw their ocean catches into a cooler right beside Brett. And at that point, his heart would not let him fish anymore. He sat atop the cooler, trying to keep the lid closed and silence as much as possible so that he didn't hear the fish flopping around in there and in his mind begging for their lives. He, He felt like they were just crying out for somebody to have mercy. They were flopping around like fish out of water. There's a reason that's an expression. Of course, Brett was conflicted. He had come all this way. He'd spent a lot of money to go deep-sea fishing to catch fish for dinner, but he just could not sit there and let them slow die, die slowly like that. He wanted it to be a quick and painless death. He'd be all right with that, but to throw them in the cooler and to hear them flopping around for a few minutes, he, he didn't want any part of that. He wanted to jump up, commandeer the boat, open the cooler, and throw all the fish back into the ocean. But he'd have to explain to what would then become his former friends why they had spent hundreds of dollars to go deep-sea fishing so he could return their spoils to the ocean and ruin their trip. He didn't want to do that. and So he stayed there on the cooler and painfully listened as the ruckus in the cooler slowly quieted down, and then he realized it was too late to do anything about it. Brett was a softy when it came to fish. He tried to go fishing another time. One of the men in the church was going to show him how to fish with minnows and how to hook the minnow so the gentleman held up a hook with one hand and a live minnow with the other. And then he looked at Brett and he said, you get yourself a hook, then you get yourself a minnow. And you drive that hook right through that minnow's eye. Brett turned green. He was going to be sick. He's just not a fisherman. He's not cut out for it. Brett would have embarrassed Simon because Simon was a fisherman. Simon looked the part. With his tan, leathery muscles, he smelled the part, just ask Mrs. Simon, and he lived the part. After the sun disappeared each night, Simon met up with his colleagues and headed for the boats to see what gifts the ocean had for them. Simon had the, I'd rather be fishing bumper sticker on his mule. But one day, Simon met Jesus, who called him to do something higher than just fishing for fish. Jesus called him to fish for men. That day when Simon first met Jesus, Simon, also called Peter, was fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Luke chapter 5 presents Jesus preaching at the self-same sea that Peter was fishing. Here Jesus was preaching to a great crowd. And perhaps it was due to the large crowd that Jesus asked this fisherman Simon, who did not appear to be part of the crowd, if he could borrow his boat. And after Jesus had climbed into the fishing boat, Peter pushed the boat out into the sea and became a member at that point of Jesus' audience. After Jesus' message, he approached Peter and instructed him to take his boats out into the deep where they would catch fish. That's in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. If you want to follow that along, this was clearly an odd way to pay for a boat rental. Jesus had made use of Peter's boat, now, he doesn't offer him money for the boat, but he says, launch out into the deep. Cast your nets in for a drought. Surely Jesus saw the obvious. These men had just returned from fishing and had caught nothing. But Peter agreed and took two boats out to the deep water based solely on Jesus' word. Now, on the way out, Peter may have been contemplating and talking to himself things like what does this preacher know about fishing we fished all night and caught nothing now he thinks there'll be fish there just because he said so i can't wait to see the look on his face when we come back empty again peter and his associates james and john cast their nets once they had reached the deep waters and very quickly they heard the distinct sound of their net tearing what was happening What's going on here? We've been out here all night and caught nothing. And now, within just moments of putting the net in the water, we hear it literally ripping apart. If the lurch of the fishing boat was not enough, the number of fish Peter saw as he lifted the net assured him he was experiencing a supernatural event. Peter did not know how the fish got there or how Jesus knew they would be there. Peter just knew he had experienced something that defied all of his previous fishing experiences. And such is the outcome of personal encounters with God. Perhaps Peter remembered the contempt and the doubt through which he had viewed Jesus' instructions to launch out in the first place. And the awe very swiftly drained from his face as dread took its place. Peter now knew Jesus was more than just a man. He was more than just a preacher. Even rabbis could not perform such a feat as this. At the least, Jesus had to be a prophet. When Peter arrived at the shore to face Jesus, he collapsed to his knees and prayed, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Have you ever had an encounter with God like that? An encounter that put you in such awe, you immediately felt the weight of your unworthiness on you may have even caused you to weep to see his goodness and his kindness knowing all the things you've done the old testament prophet isaiah had a similar experience to the one that peter had one day isaiah had a vision of god positioned on a throne within the temple in jerusalem angels were crying out to one another around the throne holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The entire temple began to shake violently. And Isaiah cried out, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Much like Peter, Isaiah was confronted with his sinfulness upon seeing God's manifested power. Isaiah saw the Lord on his throne. Peter saw a net bursting with fish that only divine intervention could explain. And these divine encounters portray an important truth for each of us. When we see God, when we come to the realization of the truth of who God is, of his power, and of his holiness, the views of ourselves, others, and the world are radically altered. You cannot come to truly see the holiness of God and continue to view yourself as a good man or a good woman or the world that we live in as a good place. It radically alters your perspective. Rather than deny their sinfulness or attempt to absolve themselves, both Peter and Isaiah owned their sinfulness. They confessed it. They admitted it with a repentant heart. And likewise, both left their encounters commissioned into God's service. Isaiah became Jehovah's prophet to the kingdom of Judah. Peter became a fisher of men. The very one, as we read in our opening text, to whom the keys to the kingdom of heaven were given. Encountering Jesus causes a radical paradigm shift in our lives. When we meet Jesus, our values change. As we realign our lives to embrace his holy purpose. Peter started out fishing for fish, but he left this world fishing for men. What have you left behind to follow Jesus? What have you walked away from? What have you turned away from in order to follow the Lord? Through the centuries the word church has become connected with a gathering place for Christian services but it has lost the original meaning that the earliest Christians attributed to it if Jesus came to build his church and he plans for us to have a role in that the building of that church then we must understand what it was that Jesus came to build if Jesus came to build physical meeting places for Christians all across the world, then his mission is just about complete. There are meeting places all across the world with only a handful of exceptions. However, Jesus' mission is not about building physical places to gather. His mission is about building a spiritual kingdom. The word church in our English translation of the New Testament comes from the Greek word ecclesia literally meaning to call out of the disciples knew this word frequently referred to the people of Israel in the Septuagint which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament it was often used to refer to the people of Israel in Greek culture Ecclesia referred to an assembly of male citizens over the age of 20 who lived in the same city and they were called out of their homes and called together to assemble to determine the best interests of their city. Excuse me. Much like a town council sort of uh, purpose in that. Similarly, the church that Jesus said he would build consists of those of us who have been called out of the world And called together into Christ's kingdom that will one day be inaugurated upon the earth. He's coming to establish a kingdom. And this earth will pass away, but there'll be a new earth. And on that new earth, there'll be a new Jerusalem, which we always call heaven. The Bible calls it the new Jerusalem. So, what does it mean to be called out and called together? What does that mean? This points back to the earlier question of what have you left behind to follow Jesus? If you've not been called out of anything, you might not be where you think you are in your relationship with the Lord. We're to be called out and, yes, called to come together. But how do we practice our faith as a community of believers rather than as an individual who's just attending church services? Because there's a difference. Am I practicing my faith as part of a community of believers or am I just one of many individuals who come together for a good time on Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night, from time to time? What does it mean to be called out and called together? Since we are a group of people called out of the world and called together by Christ, we must be directly connected to the person. jesus christ the mission of christ is the mission of the church the mission of christ is the mission of every local assembly the mission of christ is the mission of the global body of believers many whom we will never meet on this planet and yet they are part of the church jesus gave the clearest and most precise definition of his mission in luke chapter 4 verses 18 through 19 He stood in the synagogue, they handed him the book of Isaiah, and he turned to the place where it was written, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord." jesus was quoting a prophecy from isaiah and in this moment he announced the fulfillment of that prophecy he said this day is this being fulfilled before your very eyes it's come to pass he clearly identified the purpose of his ministry if jesus were running for political office this passage could be considered his platform we cannot separate the person of christ from the work of christ we cannot understand one without the other it's this Why, even today, many people identify with their vocation. Oh, I'm a painter. I'm a carpenter. You're much more than that. That's just one thing that you do, perhaps for your income, but that's not all of who you are. You cannot, but you still cannot separate the person from the work that they do. And so if I say I'm a Christian, is there any work that backs up my claim? We're not saved by works, but we will be rewarded for our works. We work, we do the works of Christ out of gratitude for the grace and mercy we've been given. And because he offered it to us, he's called us to then offer it to others. And to carry on the building of his church. Jesus described himself as anointed because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. The title Christ means the anointed one. Y'all thought it was his last name, right? Wasn't his last name. It meant the anointed one, the Messiah. It was the title that recognized Jesus as anointed by the Spirit of the Lord for specific tasks such as those listed here in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And as Jesus' disciples, we're called to continue his ministry and extend it to the ends of the earth. Luke provided a subtle hint to this in the first verse of the book of Acts. While speaking of his previous volume, the gospel of Luke, he stated his gospel detailed all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. That's Acts 1.1. The gospel of Luke was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but it's not meant to be the end the book of acts is the continuation of jesus ministry through the apostles and his disciples and through us jesus is still doing and teaching in our world in 2023 what he began both to do and to teach is still to be done and taught today long after that boat rental on the sea of galilee Peter recognized Jesus for who he really was. According to our opening text, Matthew 16, 16, Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. While many people have recognized Jesus as an important teacher or leader or even revolutionary, an important figure in the chronicles of history, Jesus' Messiahship is a spiritual revelation that comes from God alone. And as we have seen Luke chapter four verses 18 and 19 reveals the Messiah's ministry, His purpose. In the book of Acts, believers continued that ministry. We should see the continuation of that same ministry in our local churches today. That's why we still believe in miracles. That's why we still pray for the sick, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why there are testimonies all around you of people who have been healed by the power of the name of Jesus people who have been set free from the bondage of addiction by the power of the name of Jesus Christ because he's still doing and teaching through us when we understand who Jesus is and what his ministry is we then go and do likewise we have a video tonight to supplement our lesson if our gentleman in the AV room will go ahead and play that.
2: What is the church? Is it just a building or possibly could it be more? When you examine the early church, you see this massive explosion of growth and revival. Where did they meet? Now, by looking into the book of Acts, we can uncover some specifics. They met house to house. They also met in the synagogue. But how were they able to get all together? There probably wasn't a building big enough to house the explosive growth that occurred in the New Testament. Some historians even believe that James, who was possibly the pastor over the churches in Jerusalem, they say it could have numbered close to 100,000 Christians. It's a lot of people. I don't know if there's a building big enough for that. So apparently they understood something. Being the church is not just about going to a building. Being the church is being the church in every sector of society. Now, Jesus made it very clear when he said that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, before you chop my other arm off here let me just say something. Our gospel is not the light of the world. In fact, our gospel is not even the salt of the earth. We are. People are attracted to what God has done in us. The transformation that happens in an individual member of the church is one of the most powerful examples of what Christ came to do. I think so many times we think if we can just get people into the church what i mean what i mean by that is the building if i can just get them into the building hopefully the pastor will have a good word today and he'll throw out a good lure and man he'll pull a fish in if we are to truly affect our world if we are truly to impact this society that we are a part of we have to be the church outside of the building We have to be the salt and the light that Jesus made reference. We're a city set on a hill. That's not our building. That's you. That's me. That's us. I want to make the biggest splash in my world I can, so I have to show the love of Christ in every area of society. So the church, you and I, we have the responsibility of reaching people on a daily basis. Be the church at the coffee shop. Be the church in your office. Be the church on your job. Don't just think the church is a building. We are called to be disciples. We are called to be salt and light. So let the church influence the world. Let the church influence your city. Let the church influence your family. And watch what God will do. The term Ecclesia that we
0: mentioned earlier has always referred to people, not a building. The very earliest gathering places, as even mentioned in this video, were believers' homes. They were places outdoors. And in extreme cases, even the catacombs where they would hide and gather together. When we understand the humble beginnings of the Christian faith and the view Christians had of themselves as a group, it's hard to see how churches Have become multi million dollar buildings. And while the multi million dollar buildings are tremendous assets to the church, sadly we live in a world where instead of being the church, believers attend church. How often have we said, I went to church on Sunday? Oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went to church. Or, man, we had good church Sunday. It's church time church time all the time if we are the church i mean i don't want to i don't want to be part-time alive right? right alive one minute laying on the floor with no pulse for a few minutes and then somebody revives you and you're back alive that's that doesn't sound very good it's not what i want sadly the church has become a place we go and a thing we do and there's little emphasis in the public consciousness of us being the church It's something that we constantly have to combat, this idea of attending church or going to church or church being relegated to a building and a gathering together of a certain number of people even. Jesus said, where two or three gather together in my name, I'll be in the midst. And so it doesn't have to meet a certain number of people for it to be the church instead of sharing our personal testimonies of the gospel many who call themselves believers have settled for inviting people to church just just come to church with me we should invite people to visit a place where the church gathers but we as believers also ought to bring church to people everywhere we go we are to bring that light and that salt everywhere we go we must reflect On what kind of church we're bringing to our co-workers to our family members to our friends this is why we talk about it matters what our attitude is it matters about our lifestyle it matters that you live it Monday through Friday not just on Sunday because every day in every moment in every interaction you are presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around you you're presenting what is his church and it's meant to be a glorious Church. It's meant to be a triumphant church. Are we presenting that everywhere we go? Regardless of our level of awareness or intentionality, we are bringing the church to them. And so we ought to be intentional about it. Just inviting people to a building reveals how we may have limited divine encounters to the physical location for the local church rather than expanding and emphasizing that his power is available everywhere i mean can god move at your workplace can god move in the local grocery store can god move in a neighbor's house or is he limited to the building where the church meets and only relegated to the time frame that we set aside oh god god can do a miracle in your life sunday between 10 and eleven thirty. and just pencil it in on your calendar show up and God's not limited by that. But if we only present that as the option, we just invite them to come and get a miracle, and we don't pray for them in the moment, we don't speak a word of faith in the moment, then we're relegating their potential for a miracle to that little window of time. And we're saying, my God's about this big. when well, we know he's vastly infinite. There's no way that we can uh, measure him or his greatness or his power. And so we want to be very careful about the church that we're presenting, the gospel that we're presenting everywhere we go. We want to be presenting him in the fullness of his power and giving people every possible opportunity to encounter him where they are. Amen. Why don't we stand? Let's pray together tonight, and let's just ask the Lord to help us to be intentional about how we're presenting the gospel to those around us and to be filled with faith at all times. To be as instant in season and out of season, right? At any moment, to be able to give an answer, to answer questions, to share a word of encouragement, to share a word of hope, to share a word of deliverance with somebody. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that we have been brought into the body of Christ through the new birth. You have borne us into your kingdom by water and by spirit. What a privilege it is and we know of your vast power you are not limited in any way you can do all things and you do all things well you're the god who makes the impossible look trivial lord would you help us to present you to those around us in that light would you help us everywhere we go to share the gospel to share hope to share your power and the potential For people to experience their own miracle and to find deliverance that they're so desperately searching for to find freedom and liberty that they long for help us to share that with those around us help us to not just attend church but help us to be the church to those around us tonight lord we also pray for brother todd green and we pray for brother stephen weaver and ask god that you would continue to touch their bodies minister to their needs we ask god for their healing for their wholeness we ask it in the powerful name of the lord jesus christ amen god bless you you're dismissed thank you for being here we look forward to seeing you sunday morning